right so uh, so we're going to continue in our study this morning and uh, uh, you know we are studying uh, chapter 4 which uh, i hope uh, i hope all of you had a chance to read chapter 4 in the book um it's called you are in charge and this is really talking about authority uh in parenting right who is the authority structure why are you the authority structure and so on so um you know before we do that though uh we just want to do a little bit of revision so uh you know three concepts that we are we are going to be covering uh authority which we'll talk about today so what is the relationship of the parent to the child biblically speaking so we are addressing this from the the standpoint of the bible uh, shepherding which is the parents activity right so we we were talking about elders this morning how they need to shepherd the the flock right this is a, a different uh, same concept but a little differenting in shepherding the child's heart right getting them uh, you know in tune with with uh, you know with the word of god and with the understanding of god and then the fact that the gospel is central right central the centrality of the gospel and our, our parenting should be built around the gospel about the whole gospel story of sin and the degradation of man and god's love and god's mercy and and how god gives you the strength to live a life that is pleasing to him uh, that needs to be central to what we do so we talked about the heart that uh, that whereas uh, from a human perspective what we look for is to uh, is to uh, change behavior right we all want well behaved children that's a goal if you ask any parent <clears throat> you know they they want to have well behaved children they get they get complimented for well behaved children right i know this morning we uh, uh, we were here at pradeep's place and uh, you know dia was sitting very nicely on the floor so dia is a uh, little more than 2 years old and we were all complimenting uh, Jerry and Bernice on on how well behaved she is, and Jerry said, "Ah, well, you wait for a little while, uh, you know." <laughs> so, uh, so of course, we want our children to be well behaved. We want people to think because people associate that with you know, oh, the child is well behaved. Well, the parents must be doing a good job, right? But uh, as we know, children are smart. You know, they're much more intelligent than we think, and they can uh, really. uh you know fool us to to uh, to use that term you know they can uh, uh, you know they can always figure out what behavior gets them the compliments what behavior uh you know makes them look good uh, and they can do all that while their heart is not in the right place so we need to address the heart issues jesus was very clear on this you know he condemned exactly that with the pharisees right these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me you know jesus wants true change in the heart he wants our outward behavior to be reflecting what is really in our hearts and ultimately you know the behavior especially when you are not being watched is a reflection of what's really in the heart so so that's uh, that's important that we need to really uh, focus on that uh, and then last week we talked about the the shaping influences right the two sets of issues the relationship of the child to the shaping influences of their life so what are the shaping influences there are things like the structure of the family you know how many children there are what's your order of uh, in your birth uh, birth order uh, what is uh, how does a family respond to failure what's the history but then we saw that it's not just shaping influences but it's also the godward orientation which determines how you respond to shaping influences so we saw the 
the, the, the example of Joseph where he had a lot of very negative shaping influences, right? But yet he overcame those and he could have easily given up. He could have easily become despondent. He could have easily lost faith and trust in God because of what his brothers had done to it, because of all the bad stuff that had happened as he, uh, you know, as he was in Egypt. But he was able to overcome that because of his Godward orientation. So what are the implications of these two things uh, for raising children? You know, we need to, we, the shaping influences are important. We cannot, uh, we cannot uh, diminish the importance of it, right? So how we structure our home. So, you know, why we do certain things like say, uh, or why we say certain things like, you know, we need to have family altar, or family prayer, or family worship, whatever term you want to use, right? Uh, those things create uh, an element of stability in the home. They create an element of uh, an understanding that God is important in our life. You know, why do we go to church, right? Why do we have those structures and routines? Um, you know, uh, the quality of the relationship, what they observe in the home between father and mother. You know, father and mother always shouting at each other. Are they fighting? Uh, are they backbiting? Are they talking about each other in front of the kids? And uh, when psychologists have studied, uh, you know, troubled adults, you know, and they go back and look at their, um, their history, what they find is that children, uh, you know, there's, there's several things that happen in the family that really negatively impact children. One of them is, for example, divorce, right? Uh, where uh, people grow up in a single parent home uh, or, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't get to divorce, but it's constant bickering, constant fighting. Uh, you know, and uh, when we talk to talk to adults today who've been married for many years uh, and, uh, and they have, uh, they have severe struggles in their family life. And when you, when you peel away the onion, the layers of the onion, you find out that it all has to do with the way their own father and mother dealt with each other during, uh, you know, during their uh, childhood, right. And how the parents treated the children and, and all these kind of things, you know, uh, you know, the image that, uh, that young girls see of their father, right. Uh, they come into the marriage with the same kind of image about their husbands, right? And uh, and that creates all kinds of problems. So so it's very important that you know I think I think the Lord has allowed our children to be born into our families uh, because you know He wants us to create these positive shaping influences in their life. Okay, uh, uh, and and that really uh, equips them. It's it's not going to guarantee anything. You know, ultimately, uh, but uh, you know, you know, it, it may not guarantee the ultimate outcome. But nevertheless, uh, you are certainly in a better place if you have these strong shaping influences, right? The values of your home should be scripturally informed. In fact, when we go to Deuteronomy six, it talks about you know that all your surroundings, right? You know, you should put them on the frontlet of your of your head and you know between your eyes and um, and on the doorposts and the you know, all of those things, right? So why do we put verses and all up, right? Uh, you know, you can say that's for show and all that, but it really creates that environment in which the child grows and they get that feeling that, you know, the word of God is important in this home, right? Of course, <clears throat> the worst thing you can do is do all that and then not live the life because that has a bigger influence on them than what you actually do. Uh, I mean, the, the stuff that you put on the environment can really be ruined by the actions not reflecting that, right? Because then the children, they, they write it off as, you know, this is all fake, right? This is all fake stuff. It doesn't mean anything. They just do it for show, right? We, we have seen a lot of that in our homes, you know, where we do a lot of things or we behave a certain way with the church people, we behave a different way 
when we are at home uh, and children pick up on all these things, right? So uh, shaping influences are important. We've got to work on those. Uh, but more importantly, you know, we need to make sure that our children develop a Godward orientation in responding to the shaping influences, right? We need to always take them back to God. Um, you know, they should go to love and trust God and not turn to idolatry and self-reliance. So that's a, that's a fine line we need to always be aware of that, that we know what direction our children are going in. How do they respond to problems? How do they respond to issues that come in the family? Do they have this Godward orientation? If they're not, then that's something that, that you need to uh, be aware of and you need to address. So we talked about Joseph. And uh, uh, let's go to uh, the, the, the topic for today is authority. Okay, so you can see some of these pictures here. You have a mother going crazy. Uh, you have a father whose teenager is, uh, you know, on the phone. Uh, these days, fathers and mothers, myself included, are on the phone most of the time. So, uh, you know, but he's trying to use a bullhorn to get their attention. Um, you know, so the question that we ask ourselves is who is in authority? Okay, And this is very important. This authority question is important because it's very fundamental because uh, when you look at worldly philosophies, you know, if you look at even culturally, like this is something that has evolved over time. So if you go back many, many years ago, say my parents' time, you know, there was no question that the, the parents were in authority, right? I mean, and if you didn't listen to the parents, you just, you know, got walloped, okay? Uh, you know, my mother used to take her chuckles and give it to me. Um, <laughs> very few times, but it did happen. <laughs> when it was needed. When it was needed, yeah. Um, you know, in fact, in fact, I, I tell, uh, I joke with my kids nowadays, you know, I said, I said, uh, hey, you better behave, okay? Or Amichi will give you with her chuckle. And uh, they're all like, Oh, no, Amichi loves me too much. She won't give me anything in chapel, you know. <laughs> so obviously she's very different now as a grandmother than she was as a mother. But, um, but nevertheless, I mean, when you went to school, okay, when you went to school, I remember I was at Clarence. I think I told the story before. You know, I was summoned to the vice principal's office, uh, Mr. Abraham, uh, the, you know, this back in the late 70s or whatever. Uh, you know, he had a stick, you know, put your hand out, you know, you got it nicely, okay because I did something which I shouldn't have done. And everybody knew this was going to happen. Okay, But today you can't even think of this, right? So the culture has changed. I, I doubt that Jerry George has got a cane in his office. Uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, so culture has changed, you know, and, and, and along with that has this whole concept of authority, right? So, so people have gone from parents are the authority to parents are friends, okay, to parents are advisors to, you know, which I don't know where it's going to go next, right? So, uh, but, you know, we need to go back to the word of God, right? So what is, some of the questions we're going to look at is, what is the nature of parental authority? Is it absolute or relative? Um, you know, why do we have authority? Okay, what gives you authority? What is the basis for your authority? If you're, if you're in the workplace, you know, your manager has authority over you because somebody has placed him in that position, right? Um, you know, we have... Pradeep and Charlie, they are now elders. Uh, all of a sudden, they have authority that they didn't have two hours ago. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so so when, when somebody comes and talks to them, they might like, I heard that, uh, I heard that they are being booted off the comedy group. Uh, <laughs> because they're there's a big debate going on apparently. I'm not in the comedy group because I wasn't allowed in or something. Uh, but, uh, uh, but nevertheless, you know, now they are, they are viewed differently. Although they're the same people, aren't they? 
But you see, what, what has changed is simply that, you know, they've been invested with certain authority by the role that has been given to them. So why do you as a parent have authority? Okay, is it because you're bigger than them? Is it because you gave birth to them? Is it because, you know, as a mom, you went through nine months? Of, I mean, you know, sometimes when your child misbehaves, you know, when it gets really bad, some mothers will say, don't you know how much I struggled with you for nine months? You know, is that what gives you the authority and the right to have authority over a child? Uh, you know, we'll look at that. Uh, our parents call to rule because we are not sinners and our children are sinners. We, we know the answer that we are not perfect, right? But we have to understand this. Uh, do parents have the right to tell, tell, tell children to do anything the parents want them to do? You know, uh, if I could do a poll here, you know, maybe a lot of parents think, you know what, you, you got to do that because I said so. Okay, is that really the right way of looking at it, right? So, you know, we have to be certain about the nature and source of their authority or children will not learn the absolute and the principles of God's word. So, we have to keep in mind that any authority comes with a certain control, okay? So, you know, even though I'm a boss of a big part of the organization, you know, there are still, I only have authority to the extent that you know, my manager, my boss, the CEO of the company has given me authority. And there are certain structures that limit my authority. Okay, I cannot abuse people. Okay, I still have to live by the, by the values of the company to respect people. So respect is a core value. Uh, you know, I can only approve expenses up to a certain limit. Okay, because that's the authority that's given to me and it's written down on a piece of paper. You know, if it's above this level, then it has to go to somebody else. You know, there are some things that I can approve on my own. There others has to be approved by me and somebody else, you know, up further up in the organization, right? And then there's another level which I have absolutely no say in, okay? So, you know, just like that, God gives certain controls on our authority because, and why do we have those controls even in the secular field? Because authority can be abused, okay? And we have to recognize that God has given us a lot of authority as parents, but, you know, we are answerable to him, okay? God has given a lot of authority to elders, you know, but he has given them certain constraints. You know, you are to serve in humility. You are to serve, um, you know, uh, not by lording over people. You are to serve, uh, you know, not by compulsion, not by greed or self-interest, right? Similarly, as parents, you know, we are there as God's agents, right? And, and, uh, and we are accountable to God for, the, for, the, for what we do. So that's something very important. Okay. So, but we need to contrast that with the culture and the culture does not have a biblical understanding. That's why it keeps changing. Okay. That's why what used to be authority in the past is, is no longer authority. And in fact, you know, even uh, when you think about it, uh, you know, the, you know, is it biblically right that uh, maybe this is a good question to ask, uh, you know, that thing about uh, Mr. Abraham at Clarence, you know, giving me a, I'm sure he did it to many other kids too. Um, was that, is that right biblically? I'm looking at Charlie Pradeep and Bernus and, huh? Do you, do you think that's right biblically? Maybe I'll pick on somebody here. I'll pick on somebody on the group. So, uh, so Ajit, Yohannan, what do you say? Do you think it's biblically right? Sorry, Joshua, can you repeat the question? Now you need to be listening, Ajit. 
I stand exposed. <laughs> you guys hear that? No, no. Oh, okay. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. So, uh, no, I was asking. I, I use the example of me getting, getting uh, you know, hit with a cane uh, by the vice principal of Clarence High School. I don't want to give Clarence a bad name, but uh, it, was, it was very well deserved. Um, you know, the, uh, is, that, is that right biblically, you think? No, I think only the parents have the authority. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so again, so when you look at it biblically, you know, there is, there is this thing of, you know, who has that authority, right? Uh, and the, the, I think that's the right answer biblically. I think it's the parents that God has given. And we'll see why. It's because discipline is not meant to be punitive. Okay, it's meant to teach. And obviously the principal in the school or vice principal, whoever it is, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is just you know, punish for the behavior. Okay? And that's not the right way to do it. Right? Uh, so, there's, so just because it's changed, that's not a bad thing. Okay? Now, if there's not proper discipline and they're not dealing with it in a proper way, obviously there are negative consequences to that as well. So, uh, so who is in authority and why? That's important. Okay? Um, so... We're going to look at the parents' role and the children's role. So what does God call the parents? Okay, Parents are called to be in charge and they have authority because God calls you to be an authority in your child's life. So that is absolutely the only reason why you have authority. It's not because you're the father. It's not because you're the mother. But it's because as father and mother, God has called you to be an authority in your child's life. Okay, He has given you instructions in Deuteronomy 6. You teach your children right, to do certain things. He has said uh, in uh, Ephesians 6, okay, children have to obey your parents in the Lord and you are not to provoke them, right? Uh, you know, uh, so you are the agent of God in the life of your child. And, and in fact, I'll just relate this back to the, 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 the class on, uh, on money where we were stewards, right? So you are, just like you were, we said you're a steward of God's uh, money or God's possessions or God's material goods that he's given to you, right? They belong to God. Uh, you are a steward of these children. They belong to God. He has made you the, his agent on earth to, you know, to, to mold the life of this child. Okay. So you must shape the lives of your child, not as it pleases you. Right. So we said you're the steward of the money. So you follow the instruction of the owner. Okay. Or the, or the, the master. Right. So, you know, you are not to shape their lives uh, as it pleases you, but as it pleases him, right? Which is why we have the word of God, right? So your instruction, your care, which, uh, nurturing, correction, and discipline are done because God has instructed you to do that, right? So let's just read some verses. I, I alluded to them. We, we sort of know uh, all of these, but, but I think it's worth reading these. Uh, so if we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and uh, verse 1. And two, okay, I'll just read that. Now, this is the commandment. And, and remember, this, the context here is that, you know, the children of Israel, right? The children, uh, the people of Israel, you know, uh, are, are coming out of Egypt. They've been brought out of Egypt. They're about to enter the promised land and God is giving them the rules of, you know, they've lived in slavery and captivity all these years. They've been wandering around in the wilderness for all these years. And now they're coming and they're going to settle in the promised land. And, and this is what God is giving them all these instructions about what they are to do, what they're not to do, how they are to live. And he's trying to build a, a generational faithfulness, you know, with his covenant people, right? Now, this is a commandment and these are the statutes and judgment which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you 
that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing uh, over to possess. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Right. So you are to teach them to your son and your son's son. So God wants us to, uh, you know, to he, he's given them this, this multi-generational responsibility. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, they are done. We do this. Why? Because God is, why should I instruct you as my child? Okay. Because God has told me, right. And then Ephesians 6 verse 4, it's sort of the New Testament equivalent of this. Okay. Um, Ephesians 6 and verse 4. It says, and you fathers, uh, and the word there is pateras, uh, which, which can be translated parents, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So what is Lord? What is God saying? Okay, he doesn't say bring them up in the training and admonition of whatever you think is the right thing to do. Okay, or what the world thinks is the right thing to do. But you bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Okay, so so remember what we see here is that uh, is that both parents and children are under the same master. The master is God. You belong to Him. Okay, your children belong to Him. Okay, but He has placed you as an authority over the children, as His agent on earth. You know, when the child, from the time the child is born, you know, to bring them up to a certain age and provide them this training uh, and nurture in the uh, in the training and admonition of the lord or the nurture and admonition of the lord right so the lord there is is important so so there is no place for unholy anger in parenting right um you know we have to be very careful we'll talk a little bit more about this a little later so you know when when you have to discipline okay uh, what what are you trying to deal with? You're trying to address a problem not between me and the child, not between the parent and the child, but between God and the child. Okay, uh, I can give you an example. It just happened this morning. As I said, I have so many kids that I have examples, you know, uh, maybe multiple times a day. Okay, so so you know, I have I have uh, you know, I require Josiah because I get up before Josiah. He's the last one. We both sleep in the same bed. You know, and I mentioned this last week, he has to make the bed. Okay, so today, you know, he his cousin was with him and he got very excited and, you know, they both got up at 6.30. You know, I was up at 5.30 uh, and uh, he got out, he jumped out of bed, the cousin got up first and, you know, he went off and then he left the bed like that. Okay, and then uh, I was going down to make breakfast or something and uh, and I just reminded him, he was playing, they were playing with their Legos or something. Uh, and I said, Josiah, you didn't make your bed. Okay. Now I didn't shout at him, nothing. I just said, Josiah, you didn't make your bed. Go and make your bed. And he says, yeah, yeah, okay, I will. And then I went off and did my business and everything. I came back uh, about an hour later, bed was still not made. Okay. And he was busy doing something. And so I called him up and uh, then we had a talk. You know, I didn't get angry at him. Uh, and I said, uh, Josiah, who, who are you disobedient? Who are you disobedient? To? You know? Uh, and, and he immediately understood what I was getting at. Getting at, uh, yeah, you were disobedient to dad, but but you know why should you obey dad, right? You should obey dad because God has said you have to obey your parents. So who are you disobedient to? So he immediately said to you and to God, right? 
So he understands that. So then I can see, you're right. You know, you're disobedient to me and to God. You know, so you have done wrong to me and you've done wrong to God. Uh, because the reason you should obey me, you know, is because, you know, because God has said you have to obey me. The reason you should make the bed is because I asked you to make the bed and because God has told you to obey me, you need to obey me, right? It's not about pleasing me. It's not about, uh, you know, any of these other things. So, so uh, just, just an example of a problem where, you know, on the one hand, if you look at it from the point of view of behavior, you could just berate him for not making the bed. Okay. And you could get the same thing. And he went there, he made the bed very nicely uh, and all that. And, and you know, the, 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 the situation was resolved, right? But in that process, he's learning, you know, that it's not just dad. It's not just dad and mom, it's God, right? That's part of this equation, right? And I have an obligation to God to obey, right? I don't obey because he's my dad, just because he's my dad, uh, but he's given authority by God. So we have to use these kind of instances to, to also impress upon them that I'm in charge because God has put me in charge, right? Okay. So, so it's a problem between, and you have to connect to them that, you know, the, your lack of discipline or, or the fact that I have to discipline you and your lack of obedience is a problem between you and God, because God has called you to obey. I did not ask you to obey, right? God himself said, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. And there's a blessing associated with it, right? So the reason you obey dad and mom is not because, you know, uh, you know, how <clears throat> typical conversation, right? Um, you know, with, a, with a, any child of, of, of any age who's able to talk back, you know, you say, go do that. Okay. And what's the first question they ask you? Huh? Why? Right? Why? So what's the next answer that comes? Because I said so. Right? Because I said so. And I'm your dad or I'm your mom. And I'm getting very irritated at you for not doing what I ask you to do. Okay? No, that's not the reason. It's not because I said so. Yes, yes, it is because I said. But it's because when I say something, right, God has placed on you the obligation to obey and do what I say. Right. So that's, so that's a very, it seems like a simple thing, but what you're building in the, in the, in the mind of the child and, and children learn very fast. They're, they're very quick learners, right? You, uh, you know, the, the research has shown that the child learns the most, you know, from the time of birth to about five years because their neurons and things are being developed. Uh, I think all of you who are scientific, maybe Dima, uh, you might've studied some of this. I don't know. Uh, with speech. I mean, the ability to learn, I mean, they, they learned their, their ability to talk, you know, it's such an amazing thing. I mean, you know how hard we struggle as adults to learn a language, but you see how a kid just by hearing you speak, they pick it up because again, their systems, their brain, their neurons, their, all these things are developing so fast. So similarly, when you put these thoughts into their mind at that age, and we often think that children, you know, they're not old enough, you know, they, they don't understand, but what can they understand? He's only a baby or she's only a, a little toddler, right? Uh, no, you need to understand that they are developing their basic understanding. And after that, their ability to learn diminishes, right? And it becomes more harder. That's why it's harder to teach a teenager a lesson than just teach a little child. Okay. So, so children, uh, parents are called to be in charge and children are called to obedience. We already talked about this, you know, Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Okay. Children are called to obey the word of God. Okay. God has given us a duty to perform and a ch a ch child's endorsement is not necessary. You don't have to, the child doesn't have to endorse it. He doesn't have to accept it. Okay. He doesn't have to agree with it. 
It doesn't matter. This is authority that God has given you and the child is called to obedience. So why are you requiring obedience? Because God says you must, right? So it's not because I told you, but it's because, you know, God in his wisdom has given me authority over you. He has called you to obey me. And at this point in time, you know, I'm asking you to do something because it's the right thing for you to do, right? And of course, you can explain to them why it's the right thing so that they get their understanding. So the child should never be the decision maker. The parent should not just be an advisor, okay? So if you look at where the world is moving, you know, the people are afraid to discipline children because they're trying to be the, their child's best friend, okay? And I can tell you this, that, you know, uh, if you want your child to respect you and come to you later in life when they have real problems, you know, uh, they need to understand the right place that you have in their life, right? You don't do that by just being a friend, okay? You do that by them understanding God, the, the role that God has given you in their lives, okay? Uh, so don't buy into all this, you know, advisor, friend kind of philosophies, okay? Children have to learn that they are under God only authority and don't be afraid to discipline your children. Let's just look at these verses, Proverbs uh, 13, verse 24. Uh, Proverbs 13, 24 says, he who spares his rod hates his son. Now we'll talk about the rod later but he who loves him disciplines him promptly okay so you know there's uh, there's this um, uh, in the book he quotes a conversation between two parents if you read it you saw that where uh, where, where somebody uh, you know uh, said uh, you know he overheard actually it was the author himself he overheard uh, you know some two parents talking right um, you know the uh, yeah, yeah i'll just read it uh, you know, two fathers were talking about their children. I couldn't resist listening in. I'm too hard on them coming to dad, number one. I discipline them all the time. I really have to. Okay. And then he says, my wife loves them too much to discipline them. And then dad, number two, observed, I guess you and your wife need to strike some sort of a balance. Yes, continued dad, number one, reflectively. We need some balance between discipline and love. Okay. Now, that is absolutely you know, uh, that is thinking that is absolutely inconsistent with the Bible. Okay, Discipline and love are not uh, mutually exclusive. They're not opposites. Okay, it's not discipline or love, but, but what does he say? He who loves him, disciplines him when? Promptly, right? And the word promptly is actually early. Okay, you discipline him early, right? And that is, that is a sign of love. In fact, when we discipline our children, when we have to discipline them, you need to tell them, I'm do. why am I doing this? Why do I have to, let's say you have talked about, we have to spank them. We'll get into that later uh, in another, another lesson. But why do we have to spank them? Because we love them and they need to know I'm doing this because I love you. It's for your own good, right? Uh, Proverbs 19 and verse uh, 18. Proverbs 19 and verse 18. Chasten your son while there is hope and do not set your heart on his destruction. So what he's saying is, if you don't correct your son when, when it is wrong, okay, you are setting your heart on his destruction. Okay. Um, you know, and I just remember one of the, one of the incidents from one of my kids, um, you know, and, and we had this conversation, you know, much, much later when, I mean, fairly recently when one of them came home from college. So I, I, I usually sit down with them and, and we have a talk about various things and, you know, and I asked him, uh, he asked, I asked uh, this one, I won't say who it is, which one it is, uh, one of the older boys, obviously, that uh, I said, uh, 
so are you having are you having any problems with pornography uh, and he said uh, he says dad don't you remember i said remember what he says don't you remember what happened when i was whatever age some age he gave you know uh, 12 or 13 or something so i said no what happened when you were 12 or 13 and he says don't you remember that i got caught uh, looking at something i shouldn't and and you and mom gave me the biggest hiding of my life that you know uh, that that i still haven't forgotten it to this day i said then i started remembering and he says uh, he says you guys have never hit me so badly you know at any point in time and uh, i'll never forget that so so i don't do that and in fact you know i've been helping some of my friends who have problems with pornography okay to get out of it because you know i remember so you know the the point is that he remembered after all these years that you know the biggest punishment from a physical punishment that he got was because and, and he got caught looking at something and uh, you know his mom caught him uh, and uh, you know i don't even remember how it happened i think it was it, it just was by accident that she discovered it and then he was called and he was talked to about it and explained to him and then he was given a nice uh, you know nice spanking right uh but there was instruction that with with it and he remembered that so that i just remembered that when it says do not set your heart on his destruction so if if you don't punish chasten your son okay or your child you know when they are young and there is still hope okay it becomes a big problem later on okay um proverbs 23 verse 13 and 14 uh do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod he will not die you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell or sheol okay you shall deliver so in other words now that's not saying that you know he's this is not talking about salvation okay this is talking this is you know this is talking about you know the fact that if you let him go in that way that you are taking him potentially off the road of salvation okay uh, you know he still needs to you know receive christ and have faith and believe and all that kind of thing but but you are uh, you know you are it's like the other verse said you are you are really uh, putting him on the path to destruction okay uh, uh, and if you want to hope to deliver him you need to correct him okay uh, do not withhold correction from a child so a child so we should not be afraid why should we not be afraid to discipline you know we get afraid because we don't know what's going to happen are the children going to like me uh you know i hear from a lot of parents they'll if i discipline my child too much they will will they stop loving me right now if you do it the wrong way if you do it in anger if you do it uh you know without humility well maybe they will okay because they get the wrong idea and they don't understand that you're doing it in a controlled way under the authority of god uh but just the matter of disciplining you know you know you shouldn't be afraid to do that why because god has given you that authority and the child is called to obey you so so what is parenting okay we're going to talk about this and then we'll uh, we'll finish up maybe we can questions so parenting is not just being a care provider okay nowadays people think uh, in our culture today that being a parent means i got to give them food clothes a bed you know uh, some quality time spend time with them and then i'm a great parent right uh, no you know parenting is a calling okay to shepherd your child's heart in god's on god's behalf so if you go to deuteronomy chapter 6 sorry De- yeah deuteronomy chapter 6 again um you know uh, if you go down a few verses from where we were earlier so 
so verse uh, 6 and 7 these words which i command you today shall be in your heart okay so you got to keep it in your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up okay you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates okay so look at this you know what is he saying here he's saying you shall teach them to your children and shall talk of them when when you sit in your house when you walk by the way when you lie down and when you rise up now this is sort of describing everything we do right you know we're either rising up or we're lying down or we're you know doing our work right we're moving around uh, you know we're sitting down or we're, or we're moving around right so it's not a it's not a, a, a scheduled task where you know you only do it for three hours a day or one hour a day in the morning and one hour a day in the evening when you do prayer uh, no it's a pervasive thing it's it's something it's it's meant to be a lifestyle okay and it goes on whenever you're with your children when you're driving with them to uh, the shop or when you're um, walking with them to the park or or when you're bathing them or when you're uh, you know having meal time right you need to think of all of these as opportunities for you to teach what okay the words which i command you today okay and and by the way it's it's very important i don't want you to miss the part here it says that you know what's the first step to teaching your children hmm? the words which i command you shall be in your heart okay if they're not in your heart then you know again when you're talking about you know uh, when you're talking about pervasive teaching okay you can control when it happens you can control how it happens okay you've got to be prepared you can't just prepare a lesson for three weeks and then say okay now i'm going to teach my child that okay you have to use the opportunity and the occasion as god brings it about to teach and that means you have to know you have to be prepared and that's why go back to the same old thing that we keep harping on you know why all of you as parents need to um, you know need to learn the word of god you need to know the word of god right so becoming a mature parent is no different than becoming a, it's linked to becoming a mature christian okay god uses the objective of parenting to teach you his principles okay so there are a lot of things in the bible that you might not think are important until you become a parent or when you're about to become a parent or after you get married uh, and so you know this uh, marriage okay marriage is an integral part of the process of sanctification okay i, I was listening to a marriage a wedding message recently and the speaker made this point it was his last point that that marriage is an integral part of your sanctification okay god makes you a parent to teach you more of his word you need to put that word in your heart okay and then impart it to your children you need to live as an example because you want your children to teach it and as you become an example for the sake of your child of course you are maturing as a christian so you cannot separate uh, you know the quality of parenting from the quality of your walk with the lord okay so i would encourage everybody you know again parenting is not a formula you can't be uh, 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 you know uh, average or a below average believer a christian a person who knows in terms of your knowledge of the word of god in terms of your commitment to serving god and all of these kind of things and expect to be a, a really good parent okay uh, biblically you know biblical parent now parenting requires clear training objectives so you know it requires us knowing uh, what what are we trying to achieve okay what are the strengths and weaknesses one of the things that parents learn over time is they know each child they know their real nature and in order to mold their heart to shepherd their heart you have to know that you know what are the goals i have for my child today you know who's two years old what are the goals i have when they're four years old and six years old right uh, 
what are the strategies for parenting? We'll talk about this in more detail in the, in the subsequent lessons. Um, what are the methods and, 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 and uh, approaches? So in Genesis 18, 19, uh, you know, God says to Abraham, I have commanded him to bring up his children. Okay, so command them to keep the way of the Lord, to know and help them, um, you know, teaching them that they are sinners, pointing them to the grace of God through Christ, okay, through Christ's death for them. So, you know, ask yourself this question, do you have objectives for training your children? In fact, next class is about what are those objectives? Okay, have you and your spouse sat down and, and documented, you know, what is the objectives for my child? What do I want to achieve with my children? Okay, uh, and if you don't, then you'll just sort of go along, you know, typically our objectives are, well, they should learn to talk, they should learn to walk, they should learn to, they should be healthy, right? Uh, I should get them into a school, I should get them educated. Uh, you know, those are all fine to have as objectives. I mean, nothing wrong with any of those, but is that, is that all there is to it, right? What, what about the spiritual objectives? What are you trying to teach, you know, by the time they're two or three or four, what should they understand about God? What should they understand about sin? Right. If you don't write these down, then you won't be able to go back and say, am I achieving that? Right. So, uh, you know, we should parent with humility and not anger. And there's this important verse, James chapter one. Um, and uh, this is a, a verse that uh, you know, I have to keep reminding myself of this all the time. James one verse 19 to 20. Uh, so then, my uh, so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Okay, now listen to this: for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Okay, and uh, I really appreciate uh, Rabbi Chain. He has uh, many times in dealing with the flock. Okay, he's had to remind me of this verse because uh, you know, and Pradeep and Charlie. It's uh, good for you. There are certain things that will come up that will really get you mad. Okay. Like, what are they thinking? How could they do such a thing? You know, uh, and then Rabbi Chen will very calmly remind me, you know, the, uh, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And, um, you know, yes, he's absolutely right. You know, uh, you might be boiling. It might even be, you know, somewhat justified anger. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to shepherd a person, bring him back, you know, it doesn't. And, and I can tell you, you know, if, if I can list the number one failure in my own life as a parent, uh, it, it is anger. Okay. Uh, because it's so easy to get anger. It's so easy to flip, uh, you know, to, 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 to uh, trip the fuse, you know, for, for your fuse to be tripped. Right. Um, and, um, you know, I can count the number of times where I've done something in anger and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I remember once I was, there was something and it, oh gosh, it just irritated me and, and he was with my boys and, and, um, and uh, you know, and I was just shouting at them. Okay? I was screaming at them and I was emotional and everything. And then one of them just said very calmly, why are you getting so angry? <laughs> and that just made me more angry. Okay. <laughs> like, why are you, why are you just blowing up over this? You know, just tell us not to do it. You know? Uh, so, uh, you know, but, but why is anger so bad? Because anger teaches the fear of man, not the fear of God. Okay. So, so, you know, so even when we tell our children, you know, don't, uh, you know, when we tell our children, oh, you better watch out. Sometimes we use this as a joke. Right? Oh, you better do that or the policeman will come and, uh, you know, 
catch you or arrest you or whatever, right? So what is that? We are putting a fear, fear of the policeman, right? Has anybody tried that? <laughs> okay, Litis, yes. Uh -huh. No, they are exchanging looks. So, okay, <laughs> you you better you better you better not make noise, or the police is going to come and get you, or whatever. You know, um, you know, the fear of man, right? Um, so, of course, we have to fear the authority. So that may not be such a bad thing, but but you know what we need to substitute is the fear of man. So you know they should never. If they grow up thinking, you know, I can't do that because what is dad? Dad is going to blow a gasket. Okay. Um, if I do that or, or mom is going to whip me, uh, you know, you're not really training their mind. You're not really shepherding their heart. You know, you're teaching them to be fearful of man. And that manifests itself in other things. Okay. Because they get other personality problems and things like that because they're always overly worried about what are people going to think, right? As opposed to the fear of God. Yes, they should fear God. Right, so just keep this verse in mind. Uh, I think anytime you're getting angry, you know, uh, and honestly, over the last few years, you know, this has come back to me, and I have to still remind myself the fuse is still there. You know, uh, you know, it's it's not the fruit of the spirit. You know, uh, gentleness is the fruit of the spirit. So the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you're trying to produce the righteousness of God in somebody, whether that's your child, whether that's somebody in the church. Whoever it is, okay, remember that, you know, we need to, uh, you know, we need to put aside the wrath of man. Is it my own? Is it because my ego is hurt? You know, why am I getting angry, right? So discipline should be corrective and not punitive, okay? So we're defining parenting here, right? So it's to remind them of their sinful behavior, okay? Uh, and, uh, the, and the behavior that offends God it's 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 meant to put them back on the path to the path of obedience to God, right? So we want to make them obedient to the Lord, okay? Not you know not just obedient to us, right? So it should be corrective. So if you're if you're punishing a child simply to hurt them, okay? In fact, that then causes you to do you know give them more. And there are times when they need to feel pain and all that. We'll talk about that later. Uh, you know, yes, the pain needs to be commensurate to what they've done wrong and all that. But, you know, why are you doing it? You know, check your attitude. Okay. Uh, and discipline is an expression of love. We talked about that. I think um, uh, I'm not going to, maybe I'll just read. Uh, we already read verses from Proverbs, but if you go to Revelation chapter 3, Revelation 3 and verse uh, 19, uh, he's talking here to one of the churches. Um, Revelation 3 and verse 19, talking to the church of uh, Laodicea, which is a lukewarm church. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Okay, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And then, you know, Hebrews 12, uh, it's talking all about the chastening of the Lord. Okay, So I think it's from verse 5, uh, you know, verse 5 onwards. I'll just read that quickly. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. Yeah, this is God speaking. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he uh, re receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? So discipline is an expression of love. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become 
partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sin. So he's almost saying that if you don't discipline, you know, you're not a son, you're an illegitimate child, right? Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we have paid, and we paid them respect. You know, how many times we go back when we become older and we look back at the punishment and the chastening of our parents that we hated and we say, you know what, that did me some good, okay? Um, you know, uh, uh, we paid them, paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. That's talking about our, our um, human parents. But he for holiness, but he for, for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. God chastens us to make us more holy. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, so if you want to produce a peaceable fruit of righteousness, you have to chase and you have to discipline. Okay, and this discipline is uh, an expression of love. All right, so that's the uh, lesson for today. Um, let me see where we are on time. Uh, I guess we still have maybe five or 10 minutes. Uh, and uh, what I'll do is I will stop this and... So uh, it's a good opportunity to ask some questions. I see some on the chat. Okay, so somebody has uh, said, uh, Jason has asked, but parents delegate the responsibility to the school teachers. Yeah, so uh, th this is an interesting one. Okay, but I would say that there are, certainly you delegate some responsibility, right? But uh, you know, when it comes to discipline, okay, discipline has to be done in a godly way. All right, and that to me is biblically, it's not a, it's not a um, uh, uh, responsibility that you should delegate to uh, teachers because again, the way they do it and how they do it and all this kind of thing, um, you know, is really not, uh, it's not going to be the way that you would want to do it biblically. Okay. So that, that there should be, in fact, you should not delegate that to anybody. Okay. Uh, you know, it should be something that you keep because you never know, right? Even other relatives, even other parents, you know, what they need to do is you need to be clear to them that if my child misbehaves, you need to let me know. Okay. And I will take care of him, right? I will take care of him or her. Um, so please uh, go ahead. Uh, if you have questions, uh, uh, you can uh, just get off mute uh, about anything we've talked about or, uh, you know, a lot of stuff will become more clear as we go through subsequent chapters. Can you explain other forms of correction, especially for older kids where spanking would not be the most appropriate. Yeah, so Joby, uh, we will uh, we will address this as we go. Um, you know, the the somehow you know, I think I think when we think of correction, we we, all, we only think of spanking. But in fact, I would say spanking is something that is to be um, used very judiciously. Okay, it is. It should not be the primary means of uh, of discipline. Okay, and uh, and what I'll get into later is that uh, it also varies exactly. I mean, your question implies this, it varies by age. Okay, now, you know, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, teenage sons, I mean, I just, you know, I was talking to somebody about my son, Paul, who's now 13, and, and not only is he 13, that's not the issue, the issue is he's become huge. Okay, um, you know, I mean, if I try to spank him, uh, uh, you know, I might hurt more than he does. So, um, you know, uh, <laughs> so, so it's uh, it it becomes there's a practical issue with it, but what you need to see is that if you take um, you know uh, 
physical, if I, if I just draw a line of physical punishment versus, you know, more instruction, okay, what should happen over time is that mm -hmm. physical punishment at a young age is probably more prevalent, mm -hmm. but as they go older, it becomes less prevalent, okay? Uh, it becomes more communication and counsel. Uh, you know, it, it's never 100% punishment. There's always room. But then, of course, when you're dealing with a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, you know, they can only understand so much, right? Uh, and, and sometimes you have to do more of that. Uh, you know, whereas they don't understand. So the, uh, the line for uh, communication uh, and reproof, as we call it, reproofs of correction, starts down here. But as they grow, so it should, you know, that's sort of the, the general direction, right? Now, uh, uh, when we get to that section, we'll, we'll talk about these two tools, okay? One is the rod and the other is reproof, okay? And these are two distinct tools. In fact, they're like pretty much the only tools that God has given us, right? And, um, you know, as they grow up, you know, the, the reproof should dominate, right? Because reproof is about communication. Not only that, they usually go in tandem, right? So... When you discipline, you know, if you just give them the, the spanking, um, you know, and you don't reprove them, then you're not getting much, uh, you know, it's, it's really not, uh, not a very good thing to do, right? Because then it becomes more punitive, right? So they both need to go together. So absolutely, there are, uh, now I don't know if, uh, I don't know if uh, when you say other forms of correction, uh, a lot of people use things like the timeout, okay, uh, or go stand in the corner, um, you know, those to me are not very effective and, uh, and honestly, they're not very biblical. Okay. Now there might be times where, you know, maybe the child is angry. Maybe the child is showing a bad attitude and you need to let them cool off for a while before you instruct them or whatever. There, there might be a place for that, but, but using that as sort of the, you know, so, so it's almost like people have, have, they build these levels. Okay. They say, okay, for this, you know, first I'm going to tell you, then I'm going to put you in timeout, you know, or then I'm going to make you stand in the corner, then I'm going to make you put you in timeout, uh, you know, then I'm going to do, you know, those kind of things really don't work, but we will talk more about that, you know, as we go. That's perfect. And when you cover that, you can also, there's also this perception that discipline and spanking are the same thing. So if you Discipline and what? Spanking. No, they're not. Yeah, so, exactly. So it's a means of discipline. Uh, yeah, spanking is a means of discipline, but it is not the only one. And in fact, I would say it's the it's the lesser important one of the two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So when you're if, when you're covering that, if sure, you sure, sure. Yeah. So here's a private question. Uh, many a times at that moment of disobedience, I say, I give you one. It becomes a threat. Is threat and allowed? method of asserting authority and disciplining? Uh, the answer is very simple. The answer is no. In fact, we'll talk about that later. Threats, bribing, um, you know, when we get to discipline, we'll talk about the typical ways of discipline. Uh, it's really not, okay? But I, I understand how it happens. I mean, this happens with me. Uh, it's a very natural thing, right? Because we are using that threat. So, um, you know, uh, we need to, you know, we need to lessen that and we need to, sort of, you know, the problem with discipline, not a problem, but the reality of disciplining is that it takes time. Okay? It's not quick and it requires you to step aside. It requires you to uh, step away. It requires you to maybe stop what you're doing. Maybe you're rushing to make your, you know, lunch uh, for your family and uh, that's when it happens, right? And, and you don't want to deal with it, right? So, 
um, unfortunately, you know, like I said, parenting is pervasive. Okay, uh, you can pick and choose when it needs to happen. Um, so, uh, so yeah, try to stay away from threats. Uh, again, you know, we make mistakes. We are not perfect. What the reason we, we we are studying all this is so that we can get better, right? Uh, not not to uh, make ourselves feel bad. Okay, here's another question. Jachan, uh, I have a follow-up to what Joe uh, Joe was asking. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that there sometimes is like a hierarchy that we by mm. uh, naturally we just uh, tend to form. Um, would saying that okay, now I'm going to explain this to you, but the second time it's going to be discipline with a scale. Yeah. Would that, uh, does that also become a hierarchy of sorts? Wherein the first. No, time no, no. There's, yeah, I don't. I don't want to imply there's no hierarchy. Uh, what you're saying there is is perfectly right because basically you're giving a child a warning. The child has done something. Okay, maybe it's the first time. Okay, um, you know, maybe they've maybe first time for the day. Is oh, first time for the day. Yeah, yeah. No, see, I, I think uh, I, we'll get to that, uh, Kishore. Uh, when we talk about what is an appropriate time to spank, right? And, uh, and why, right? So I, I think it just comes down to, you know, uh, you know, if a child understands and he's willfully disobeying you, you know, and he continues to do that, that's an that's a opportunity for them to understand that there are consequences. Okay, so the spanking has to do with consequences and, and them understanding that, that sinning, okay, and disobedience has negative consequences. It has negative consequences in your life, in society, in uh, the workplace, in government, in, in wherever, right? Uh, and in your life. So, so yeah, we will we will delve more into that, uh, you know, as we go. Okay. So, if a Christian family is involved in prayer, reading Bible, and going to church on a regular basis, but the both son, twenty-eight years and ten years, are not willing to go to church, where is the fault, and what shall they do to encourage them to go to church? Okay. And this seems to be getting into specific things. Uh, so 28 years and 10 years is two entirely different cases. Um, <laughs> so, so definitely, you know, uh, that's getting to the question of when does the authority, uh, well, several, you're, you're bringing out several points. Okay, First of all, you know, we talked about shaping influences. Okay. Uh, and I said shaping influences are important, but shaping influences do not guarantee that children won't go wayward. Okay. In fact, we all know many examples where children do and we wonder how can the how could that have happened yes it can happen because ultimately people are sinners okay and uh, you know it's a matter of do they have that godward orientation or do they worship their own self and they go off to go off after other gods right um, so this can happen you know now if your 28 year old son is a is an adult okay i mean you cannot uh, and again I, I think it's it's wrong for us to look at fault uh, ultimately, every person is responsible for their own actions, right? Uh, if a 28-year-old makes decisions, I will not hold that against the parents. I mean, in fact, you remember the, the Jesus, um, you know, the, 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 uh, the, I think it was a parable of the man who was blind and they, the disciples asked, whose fault was it? Was it his or his parents, right? And, and Jesus sort of, you know, really shut them down on that, right? He said, this happened so that the glory of God might be revealed, right? So... Uh, so, so we shouldn't get into that now. Ten-year-old is a completely different case. I mean, ten-year-old is under the, uh, you know, at that age is definitely under the authority of the parent, and they need to, you know, take him to church. I mean, uh, there should be no question about that, right? Unless there's some mitigating circumstance or something, uh, you know. So I, again, 
I don't think we should get too caught up in judging other people's families and other people's children. Uh, we need to focus on ourselves. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's all the questions I have. Uh, any other questions? Uncle, how do you, um, like, you know, there are certain people, maybe godly people, maybe grandparents who come and try to influence discipline. Yeah. Mm. Or uh, at times it could be uh, in a positive way or sometimes they could just, you know, ref, uh, try to stop their own children from disciplining. How do you deal yeah. with things? Yeah, so so I'll go back to that, uh, the, 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 the whole... Uh, the whole uh, chapter here, right? The chapter is called what? You are in charge. Okay. You are in charge. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, one of the problems uh, that we do have is, is excessive interference from, from parents, right? So remember when we studied about marriage, right? We, we talked about uh, leaving and cleaving. Okay. And this is one where the leaving and cleaving really runs into problems because parents inevitably come in and they feel like, oh, you know, these you know, their kids, they you know, they're still our kids. They don't know how to take care of a baby. They don't know how to change a diaper. They don't know how to bathe a baby. They don't, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then they grow up. They don't know how to feed the kids. They don't know what to feed. They don't know how to discipline. Okay. Uh, or they're disciplining too much. Uh, you know, I, I would encourage all believing parents to put some boundaries. Okay. I mean, in fact, we should not let grandparents even physically punish children okay because because that needs to come from a parent because god while while god does give grandparents he says teach them to your children your children's children okay um, nowhere do we see uh, grandparents are given that mandate to do various things okay but most of it is spiritual it's, it's about teaching okay or it's about uh, leaving a, a heritage to them right uh, it's not related to discipline i don't see anywhere where Grandparents are commanded to discipline. Only children, a father or a mother is commanded to discipline. Okay, when God is, when they talk about chastening of God, he compares him to the father, right? Uh, to the parent of the child. So I think you should draw a boundary there and make sure that, uh, that, that you are in charge and you need to, you know, it's fine to take advice from your parents, but tell them, you know, in a very loving way that, you know, they should leave that to you. Okay. okay, those are all very good questions. I know everybody's eager to learn about spanking. I think we're still uh, two or three lessons away from that. This is always the case every time we've taught this, you know. What do I do now? Yeah, I want to do it now. By the way, you can read the book, okay? So, uh, so you know, if I, if I look at the chapters, maybe that's what I'll do. I'll just go through the chapters of the book. So the next one is about our goals. Okay, we'll probably do five and six together, I think, uh, about the goals. The next one is about the unbiblical methods. Okay, so this is where we look at uh, look at some of those things like time out and standing in the corner, and bribing and uh, bribing threats, all those things will come in there. I think uh, somebody asked that question. Uh, so that's about, so we want to first talk about what are the unbiblical methods that we don't, uh, we don't uh, do. And then we get into the biblical methods and, and we first talk about communication. Okay, There's actually three chapters in here about communication. Okay, And then there's one chapter about the wrong. Okay, So you can see which one needs to be prioritized here. It's the communication part. So I would encourage you to read. If you want to you know, read chapters 7, 8, 9, 10, and uh, 11. Okay? Uh, these are the ones that... Um, 
that that really get into that and please do read ahead I mean, you know that way we'll you can come with more questions when we uh, Go to rod no, no, don't go to rod directly because uh, because you, you have to put it into context. Okay, the rod is to be put into the context of an overarching, you know, set of methods, right? And, and that is communication or rootproof and the rod. Okay, and in fact, as I said earlier, rootproof is much more <clears throat> much more important. Remember the point about shepherding the heart and the centrality of the gospel. Okay, even when you use the rod, you don't do it exclusively. You do it with Thank you everybody. Bye bye. Have a good afternoon.